Hello, and welcome back to Level Zero Literacy. I'm Mason, and I'm so happy that you've decided to join us for another episode. This week we'll be discussing Spiritfarer, a delightful little game that Sam brought to our attention. Please know that we're going to spoil the game from beginning to end, and we're going to be discussing topics that include, but are not limited to, death, especially as it relates to children, uh, dementia, and with slight mentions of war and body horror. Please keep that in mind. Use your best judgment before proceeding. Enjoy! Zero Literacy. Today we are talking about Spiritfarer, a 2020 indie management simulator developed by Thunder Lotus Games, written and directed by Nicholas Guerin. The game was influenced by the developer's own experience with grief mixed with a uh, toned-down experience that you would see in Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley. You play Estella, a woman who finds herself replacing Charon as the Spiritfarer, charged with ferrying spirits from the living to the afterlife, fulfilling their last wishes and then bringing them to the Everdor, where they can finally depart this world and cross over. Big themes in this game include grief, loss, and our experiences in life with accepting death. And of course, as always, I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Mason and Buck. Hey. Yo. And then we also have a special guest with us today, Kristen. Want to say hi? Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here today, and I am actually the wife of Buck. So uh, we're going to break the normal structure a little bit today, and I actually want to start with people's one moments, because I think when it comes to this game and its themes, it's really important to establish a baseline with where people are at when it comes to approaching things in this game. And so I want to kind of get a a read on the room as to where people are to kind of guide our discussion. So uh, Buck, why don't you start us off? The moment that like kind of really resonated with me was when you are picking up Astrid. And uh, the way you do it <laughs> is you have to go back and forth negotiating between the manager of a factory and the union. Yeah. And... <laughs> The way you negotiate is just you talk to them. You you talk to the union. The union says what they want. And you go to the manager. And the manager is like, wow, that's really inconvenient. I'll do it anyway. Uh- well, only for the sake that he can go to the bathroom. Yeah. He's, like locked, he's like locked in this one room. Uh, and um, like there's a lot of places that maybe felt more affecting to me emotionally as I'm sure we will discuss, but just playing the game and the thing that stuck with me was just that whole sequence Yeah, because it was just so, it was funny and also uh, I really liked the message it was sending. There's a lot of very, uh, there's a lot of very cool leftist imagery in this game. Mm-hmm. Very pro-union. The Gustav is like, Oh yeah, I'm working on an anti-fascist. I worked I did art for like an anti-fascist rally. It's a lot of like small uh, bits and pieces all across. Like a tool is always like, yeah, you know, the union I was in when I, you know, the long nights in the union negotiations. There's a lot of like that sprinkled in, which is nice. It's a really it's really refreshing. Uh Mason? Uh my one moment came when I was spirit-faring Giovanni to his death. Over the course of the game, he's characterized uh, more or 
ALS is like a, a lying, womanizing piece of shit. He's a horrible person. He's not a good Womanizer, guy. Womanizer, just slum bucket of nastiness. He's yeah. awful. Inappropriateness. He cheats on uh, Astrid. Uh, he sneaks out at night to go have affairs, uh, and then. But do he do eat spaghetti? Funny. He do be eating the spaghetti during his last moments. Uh, he kind of shares with you that the reason he leaned so hard into hedonism was because during the war that he served in, he during a like really vulnerable and communal time with his troop of fellow soldiers. He, uh, they sent one guy off while they were cooking to do some work or whatever, and he got blown up and killed by a landmine. Giovanni like saw the whole thing in gruesome detail, and then the guy, the his fellow soldier, never even got to eat his dinner for the night, and it was a meal they had all been looking forward to for like a long time. And he said he like reveals in his last moments, like from that point forward, he just decided he was going to dedicate his life to being as happy as possible all the time is like such a such an eye-opening moment it's very easy to write characters who are jerks and and scumbags because you're supposed to hate them for certain reasons that are narratively convenient but to like to have very relatable and understandable reasons why someone would do horrible things i think is is very special and it very it really endeared me to Giovanni, and it was it's such a gut punch that it happens like right at the end. There's a lot of, and it, I think part of what makes it so engaging his character is just the dynamic between him and Astrid. There's just such a level of forgive, like wanting to forgive, wanting to accept the life that he has chosen to lead, but the difficulties that come as a result of someone making those decisions it's 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 really it's a really interesting dynamic and i think they follow through it really well Kristen. so i my one moment and i guess part of it stems from coming to understand my annoyance and being like okay i can understand why these characters are this way and so bruce and mickey are the characters that really stood out to me the most and their full story and playing and doing all of their favors and the whole annoyance of, okay, these, these assholes need granite and marble and gold. And I'm like, okay, they are, they are the, they're very demanding. Yeah. Very demanding, very extravagant and, you know, just gaslighting me the whole time. And so I'm, but when we're taking them to the Everdoor, their story and the realization of how they're designed, yeah, how Mickey's always talking and Bruce is completely silent and Mickey's the one carrying them around. It was just, it was touching to see how he couldn't let go of Bruce ever. Yeah. And this whole time, Bruce was almost just a weight. Um. And not really, Mickey was too scared to ever move on without him. And I just really, the illustration of that and the follow through with that as well was just, I really enjoyed it. And it it kind of excused a lot of my annoyance with (laughs) them. I really just wanted to know 
directly their relation to Stella, Mm. like how they came into her life and what kind of care she provided for them. That would be my one moment. It's, it, it's a really incredible character design where, you know, you have Mickey, who's a humming, literal hummingbird Mm -hmm. and Bruce, who is an entire ox. Yeah. Yeah. And Mickey, has this rope that he picks up and flies around the boat with. And there's a really key animation with it that I think is excellent foreshadowing where whenever Mickey is putting Bruce down, he kind of drops him and Mm -hmm. Bruce just thuds. He doesn't really catch himself. He doesn't really like prep his landing. It's just like a a dead weight. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things where it's like you don't think about it, and then Mickey explains that his brother's been, you know, dead for years. You know, he just couldn't yeah. let him go. Is but and that you're that really just like unlocks this like whole other side of understanding the character. It's just really super well done. My one moment was the only time that I did not cry for the departure of someone in this game. And it was a tool. Uh, yeah. And I think a tool's departure was what really sold me on this game. Because for every character, you know, you take them to the Everdor and you get to kind of have their final moments and say your final goodbyes. A tool's quest line, the last thing you do is you are tasked with picking three of the other passengers on the boat and finding out what their favorite food is and then gathering their favorite food and then you go do this barbecue picnic thing on one of the islands. As you do it, it's just like this celebration and then the camera kind of like fades out and then uh, you wake up the next morning and you see the symbol of the spirit flower has appeared. And you go up and it's on a tool's uh, home. And that moment for me, I was like, I wasn't, I didn't, there's different ways people process grief in their lives. Just the like sheer denial as a result of not getting to like say your goodbyes to a tool really hits super hard because you just think about the times where even if you're close to somebody, even if they're like your family, there might be moments, there might be like these times where you don't actually get to say the goodbye you're hoping to get. Just the way that they handled that scene and the way that that moment is handled just like really showed me how well this game could like portray how you grieve people's deaths differently. Where it's like an unexpected death that kind of just leaves a hole or if it's like a very like emotional close death like we see with some of the other characters in this game. So may I add something? Yeah. I really thought how his quiet departure really reflected who he was. Yeah. Not wanting to burden Stella, you know, even though he was a super hungry frog all the time, he was <laughs> the like nicest me. about asking yeah. for food and just his generosity and spirit was really great. And 
I do think his quiet departure is very reflective and very yeah. appropriate for who he was in Stella's life. Didn't want to add more to her plate. And I agree. I think it it is very reflective on how people pass and the way you touched on grief and how we experience it differently and aren't guaranteed moments of goodbye I thought that was a really good moment too. Now we've kind of gauged the temperature of things. Let's branch out a little bit. And let's let's start at the beginning because I th- the way this game starts gives you a very it doesn't jump it doesn't really push you into it right away. And I think that the the effectiveness of allowing you to build different levels of relationship with the characters works a lot in the favor of allowing you to process how things develop. So the first spirit you pick up is Gwen, who is uh, was in life your cousin. And she's a little more distant, brooding, deflective of things. So your emotional attachment to the first character you meet starts, feels like it's meant to start pretty low. And then kind of over time, the dynamics of everything just like build and change and it's in a way that i i feel like with games like this if you push the sadness and the grief too hard too early then most people are just going to turn off but i think what they do what this entire game does is it builds a really nice arc you know you have these characters at the start that are very accepting you know they're they're more personal to Stella as a character. It's her cousin. It's her uncle. It you know uh, you have so you have Gwen, your cousin. You have a tool, your uncle. You have Summer, who is kind of someone that serves as a sort of spiritual mentor for Stella. And they're all very kind and loving. And Gwen's emotionally distant, but she's kind and loving in her own ways. And then as you kind of get further into the game, you get these more dis- uh, disparate spirits, people that are might be a little harder to love up front, like Bruce and Mikey, uh, Gustav, Giovanni. Mm-hmm. But then it, by then you kind of understand what the game is about and you are more willing to let the characters breathe and find out what they're about. Uh, so I think the way that they handle the flow of things in the story is super important for allowing the players to resonate with each character individually. Whereas if they had, I think this was, I think this is something they could have very easily fumbled if they had not approached it the way they did. Mm. Yeah. I will say so this is my first game that I've ever played to completion. I do find characters annoying. Um, I am known for thinking blathers is really annoying. And so this kind of game could be get on my nerves. But with the way they approached the pacing and introducing new characters, I think did enough to entice me and keep me going without being overly annoyed and there was a good balance of there's still a very sweet character like when they introduced Alice after like well depending on yeah depending what on order your order you picked, yeah but I ended up getting Beverly in a time where I needed her 
And same with Alice. I was like, oh, thank God. These really cute little hedgehogs and little Tweedledee birds are just here. (laughs) So I just, you know, I think there was enough endearingness to continue through to balance out the more abrasive and more prickly characters. And I want to emphasize how much Kristen really disliked Bruce and Mickey. She hated this. I mean, he's like, I mean they're, like they're a huge burden yeah all they do is like run around they are super demanding they're yeah. very hard to talk to because you can't yeah. talk to them when they're flying they make everyone else feel like shit oh, they, 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 they bother you they, they bother you for food and then fly away yeah yeah <laughs> They bully all the other people on the yeah, boat. Yeah, they don't they, tell you of their allergies beforehand. No. And, oh. yeah. like, <laughs> and now they feel bad because you tried to feed them shellfish. Uh, and they drag you into a life of crime. Yeah. <laughs> no, hold on. That's cool. That's, 100 carrots. I like that. They ate 100 carrots. They ate 100 carrots for this heist. Actually, sorry. Did I say carrots? I, I said peaches. I definitely said peaches. You misheard. <laughs> Man, and I, I had already racked up forty peaches. I mean, I mean forty carrots. Yeah, I went and bought. Like, I just didn't want to talk to them again, so I had already grown forty carrots. Oh, jeez. I nearly, I nearly collected for, I nearly collected half a million glims. Oh, for, for the for the desk. designer guy. <laughs> Kristen also thought that you would need to do that, but as soon as he said, "Do not go talk." To the to my uh, ex, to yeah. My don't ex. go talk yeah. to my ex. I, yeah. I I went to the ex. No, I was like, I was like, Sam. He asked very nicely. Do not tell his ex. I'm just gonna make the four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Sam Sam's like, we have to podcast in two days. Just go, just go talk to his ex. It's like, no, I can do it. Mason, you got you just spent all of your money on a little bit bigger boat please <laughs> the comedy in this game is also excellent it's so good and, the, and it's it's done in a lot of small different ways where some characters kind of have a comedic relief angle to them and some of them just have like a very funny eating animation my personal favorite is Beverly's because <laughs> she's like, every, yeah, she's like yeah. she's, she's, just loud. She's, just, she's just loud. They couldn't do anything with her tiny little drawings. So like, oh yeah, we'll <laughs> just, just make her <laughs> make sure she's like almost screaming. Just Giovanni. Uh, Giovanni is a close second. Oh, but well, Giovanni's great. No carbs, but his animation is his eating spaghetti. a mom's spaghetti. My my I, fa- I think it. my favorite animation is Summer when she's happy. When she like stands up straight and like oh, wiggles, yeah. yeah, it's really funny. And I yeah. just appreciate like it's just nice that you can have these funny endearing moments because it'll it the, the artist the artist put their back yeah. into it. There, and there's like, a you lot can of tell. there's a lot of games that are just like sad and it's all they are. But this game really feels like it's meant to be a celebration of these people, mm-hmm. you know, as they are, can and. I- It'd be so easy to not let it be that and just be this like long dirge of of just sadness just after depressing. sadness. Yeah. yeah. Mine is the meal delivery service. Ah. <laughs> Feedorama. <laughs> so you can sign up for a meal delivery service in this game, and it's a way for you to get like a few different recipes if you don't find them by randomly doing them. And eventually the person who's helping you quit 
and after they quit um it's like the food delivery company is becoming homogenized and too big and they start end up just sending you junk every few days until you go and unsubscribe from the service that's so good that's so good it's really good. I thought that I discovered that dude way too late oh. in the game. I was like going back to tie up like rare chests and stuff. And he was like, you want to uh, get Feedorama? And I was like, oh, I already have, you know. Most of my stuff. I have like mm-hmm. 78,000 Buboyizes in my inventory and 100 million yogurts. And I, I don't need this. See, I, I wish had, I had. I didn't start fermenting until like right before i finished playing what's well, one of the last things it's one of the last buildings you build because stanley is the one that's like interested in it yeah yeah and he's i think he was the last of the core cast that you picked up mason well, stanley's not easy to get because eventually you just stop fishing, yeah i didn't right? fish anymore well, yeah. You like <laughs> yeah sam, <laughs> sam had to like, tell me to I do mean, it for me i Eventually, I had cultivated enough resources where I was like, okay, I don't need to do the resource farming anymore. So I just started fishing mm. whenever I was traveling somewhere because it was like, it's for me, fishing mini games are one of the best ways to pass the time in this game. I think they, they do a really good job of making the resource management purposeful and so that it gives you something to do as you're traveling between destinations yeah. that feels like... That doesn't make it feel like you're just doing busy work because there's actual purpose behind doing things on the boat. Hold on. I'm going to push back on that a little. End game for me. End game, sure. End game, it is brutal. Like, But that's why I stopped doing it. I had three orchards because there's you only put... You can't change out your trees in an orchard. Even with just one of everything, one garden, one uh, uh, field... You have the cow pen, the fermenter, the smashing station, the, the windmill, pen. the sheep pens. I had three sheep pens because oh, you have to I get multiple have... to get, uh, what's her name, the hedgehog Alice. on board? Alice yeah. on board. You have to get multiple. Um, I had the the chicken coop. Like it, 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 I even I clumped it all on my boat, and I would still, that would be like three quarters of my day it would is... just be taking care of the icons. I never it had is... a chicken yeah. coop. It is embarrassing to me how long it took me to figure out how to even get a chicken <laughs> because you have to build the coop yeah, and then the go coop. in yeah. and you look and then you, cause, cause like you get, I think there's a, there's a treasure, there's a treasure map that I never even ended up picking up that needs 20 eggs. And I'm like, how am I supposed to get 20 eggs? So I went to the store where you can buy eggs and there's five eggs. And this was after I'd built the chicken coop. So I was already like, well, if I can't buy all the eggs, I just have to start growing chickens, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I should have gotten some fucking hoggies. Yeah, get some fucking hoggies. <sighs> I was really worried. Um, I got my beef license and I built my pen and I looked at the cow and I honestly thought I was going to have to slaughter it. <laughs> I clicked. they sell 20 beef licenses. I know. I was like so terrified. And so I clicked on it. Milk. And it was just milk. Just milk. Milk the cow. I was so relieved. But then I'm like, how do I get beef? Yeah. But so at some point I was just like, oh, I have enough resources to coast through the end of the game, I'm just going to stop managing my resource farms 
because like I have enough food to feed everyone. I have enough, you know, whatever to please everybody. I don't need to do this anymore. So there was a point where I just stopped engaging with it and just like did, you know, fishing and just like relaxed. To change topics completely, can I talk more about characters? Because yeah. I don't want to yeah. move too far past it before I get the chance to talk about. Well, we need, and there's a lot of characters we need to talk yeah, about. A lot got, about how. So for context, there's the 10 core characters that were in the game when the game released. And then there were four characters that were added post-released in the definitive edition. Farewell edition. The farewell edition. Is that that's the edition we all played, right? Yes. Okay. So I don't even know if they sell the base edition anymore. They might. Yeah. Uh the Switch version doesn't say farewell edition, but it is the farewell yeah. edition. So Among the cast of characters is Summer the Snake, who you learn pretty late in the game represents the memory of Stella's stepmom, who over the course of knowing her, you learn a lot about how she battled cancer, but it is not immediately revealed. In fact, it's revealed very late in the game that what she's talking about is actually cancer. And as such, I interpreted it very differently. And it I related to her in a very strong and very visceral emotional way because she refers to it just as a dragon. Yeah. Right? She says, oh, my, my father dealt with this his whole life and he just ignored it or he fought it and then it came from me and then I learned to live with it but eventually I succumbed to it as well I read this as her talking about like a depression or like a mental illness and it made me think a lot about my struggles with mental illness it made me think about what role it might play in my death it made me think about how my family has had to deal with it too and how I deal with mental illness in a different way than my family does. And it was written in such a beautiful and mindful way. Yeah. Even though it wasn't talking about, you know, I I completely misread it. Right. I mean, it could, there's nothing that says, so I think the, the beautiful thing about the way summer's plot line is done is that, Yes, for her it is literally cancer, but they. Le- I think the intent of them leaving it ambiguous is that you could fill in as the a gap. as a player yeah. kind of imp- impress your own life mm-hmm. yeah. experiences Upon on it. it without it being a you know it's not a, it's not a problem for you to do something like that. Yeah, it's just like the oh I can relate to this because the dragons in my family are mental illness or you know neurodegenerative diseases or whatever because i think they don't even explicitly say it's cancer until you take summer right no not no even not then. even then oh, it's, it's when you're even, oh it's, it's at the very the end very when you're taking stella right 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 i agree that it is they'd leave it ambiguous purposefully but you're literally breaking tumors on the dragons it's true oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i well, didn't it, even it's not it didn't even click with me until i knew about the yeah. cancer and so <laughs> yeah and, and for me being in the sort of indie gaming narrative world one of the biggest games out there one of the i would say one of the originators of like sort of this like indie narrative game genre was that dragon cancer and so for yeah, me, I, there was like, um, when I played this the first time, it was like immediate parallels 
probably a little bit of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but again, that's not to say you couldn't take it a different direction if that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I see the connection now. Yeah. Right. But it wasn't. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't fully click because yeah. I I kind of had already formed that thought in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as she started talking about her and her father's similar struggle. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know if it was depression or alcoholism or what, Yeah, whenever it was. I had those thoughts too. And, you know, Summer has this fear of disappointing someone and you don't know who really that someone was, but then she goes into her story of her love and just wanting to hold on and not wanting to disappoint them for having to let go yeah and that part also resonated with me because I'm an innate people pleaser and I know I probably will be till the day I die yeah and I've also entertained the idea of becoming a death doula and so playing this game also has done a lot Mm -hmm. of that Stella's character helping people pass the way they need to and coming to closure with what they need to do before they go, I think is also something that really struck with me is just having an advocate. Yeah. I think Stella not talking at all the whole game is a big thing. She just takes on and takes on and takes on. Um, I think that was cool. There's, there's two characters I want to talk about, one of which I relate to personally, and one of which is kind of personal to my life, Gustav. I was going to guess yeah. Gustav. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I, I think Gustav, Gustav is pretty much the only character in this game to me that is just fully accepting of death, and taking him to the Everdor and him just being fully embracing of what is to come because he is so confident that he has built something that is going to outlive him. And in his, you know, in his instance, it is art, but the concept of, I think the, the the concept of building something that's going to outlive you as a way of coming to terms with death is like the very basic human way of acceptance but the way it's characterized through gustav feels just very appropriate i guess because he never it's you know he's never leading you on as to why he's doing his work or why he needs to do this like one final art showcase it's only the fact that you know you are the spirit fair and you are supposed to be helping people deal making their final amends or uh making things right or whatever it is that even gives you an inclination of like why this is also important to him i'm not big into the musical hamilton anymore for many reasons but there's one thing that always sticks to me about that that musical and it's just there's this one line it's like why do you always write like you're running out of time and there's this always there's just this intrinsic thing to me about artists and creators that there's this like rush this need to urgency put yourself yeah. out there and become more than what you are so that the things you do the things you've said will continue on 
once you're gone and will continue to impact and change the world. And I just really appreciate that. Like Gustav is like kind of like stuck up and like very picky about things, but it's because he wants everything to be just so. I also think it's a, there's like a fun juxtaposition with him given how sort of nonchalant and ready he is to pass on. Yeah. Once his work is done, uh, he, he just approached me and he was just like, ah, whenever you got time, just yeah. drop me by the ever door. All the other characters are like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. We need to go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to face it. Yeah. Gustav's just like, if you're in the area, just drop me off. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and got the old shuttle boat. Yeah. Just, just row me on over when you're don't, don't make it trouble when you're there. Yeah. Hey folks, me again, popping in for the mid-episode advertisement break, or at least I would if anyone had purchased advertising with us. Instead, I'll remind you to like, comment, and subscribe all of our social media feeds, and rate us five stars on your podcast platform of choice. If we don't get enough engagement, I'll be forced to give you my opinions on Quentin Tarantino movies. Anyway, this segment's over, so I'll pass you back to the episode. Well, and I really liked Gustav's um, final statements, just talking about Adams and just the legacy is kind of what you were talking about, but just his understanding with insignificance, but his deep desire to create significance, I thought was really, really cool to see. And I, I mean, I liked Gustav. I I liked Gustav a lot as a character, but I also, he was so, completely honest in the beginning about him losing function of his body you know he he revealed his story and his life very quickly yeah compared mm-hmm. to a lot of other characters yeah, he's not he's not cagey about it no and i don't mind creating exotic and exquisite <laughs> meals for him <laughs> it was fun give him some paella yeah. him. i think it's a little funny that whatever you give him something he will eat but he doesn't love nourishing just like, this is nourishing <laughs> i don't i don't i don't necessarily know that gustav and this is like kind of stuff that was revealed very late into the game i think the reason gustav is so open is because he's a lover of stella's sort yeah. of in life right they they knew each other and were romantically involved during the time in Japan mm-hmm. that Stella so that Stella uh spent in her real life in Japan him being open with her is a reflection of that time together i think with other characters that probably i don't know for sure i think with other characters that probably were only in Stella's life for short periods of time like uh Mickey like Giovanni and Astrid like the, the people she was taking care of in the hospital yeah stanley the there's less to know about them because stella's probably kind of filling in the blanks a little and her time was shorter with them yeah in general yeah exactly yeah. It, it, like there's like a mirroring of the role the people played in their lives right people like gustav and summer and a tool they stick around a long time because they played a large part in her life and then there's these smaller people. I think mm-hmm. Gustav's personality, I think his openness is like a reflection of that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other the other character I want to talk about is Alice. Alice. Um so this one's this one's rough, man. Yeah. yeah. This one is well, rough. And, th- and this one became very personal to me 
in the last year. Um, last year, my grandmother passed away and she, for the last like couple of years had been declining in mental, you know, in memory. We, we never know. We never, it was never like a formally induced or uh, Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever. So we never like knew the exact reasons, exactly what was going on. Just like watching Mason play through that again, it was just, it just hit very differently because when you take her to the Everdoor, she just, she just thinks she's on the beach with her family. And it made me think a lot about you know, my grandmother's final days, what, when you're in that sort of mental decline, what does it look like to approach death when you don't know it's coming? And is that, I think the question is always like, is that more comforting? Is that better for you as a person to not know? The way Alice is characterized, because there's two, there's two characters in this game that are depicted with, you know, mental decline. Whereas Alice is a very stark descent. Um, and then there's Beverly, who is, I think, meant to be a little... It's it's more ambiguous what's going on with Beverly. You know, it could just mm-hmm. be like a brain fog, like just getting old brain fog type deal and like loss, confusion and loss of memory. Or it could be like early onset dementia or whatever. And I think just the way they handle it is just so... it's just perfect to me because the intent of this game is that you're fulfilling people's last wishes and Alice is kind of losing function of her body as the game as you as she spends time on your boat and so you walk her to the um the bow of the ship just to stand there for the day and on the last day she just thinks you're her daughter and she's like oh have you seen my daughter she wore her her beach clothes with a red hat. And so you go back out there and you talk to her and it's like she just gives you the same dog and you're so you're confused. And then you check your you check your objectives Closet. and it's literally just like take Alice to the Everdoor. And it's cause what she you know what she needs in her final moments is to be reunited reunited with, with a daughter that she can't be with literally, but you can give her some kind of solace yeah. by filling that role for her. And I just, it's just such a beautiful, it's so simple, but it's just so perfect to me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who work in the medical field, now it's not clear whether Stella was a nurse or whether it was specifically a hospital setting or hospice care or um, or maybe a combination of those. But I also resonated with Alice's story and in the I lost my grandfather the year prior as well and even before he suffered a brain bleed he started losing memory and I think as people get older or when people are approaching dementia or have issues with memory loss I always think people either turn into the best versions of themselves or turn into the worst versions of themselves. And you, I think a lot of family members who are in those positions have to reconcile with understanding they are not the same person. Mm -hmm. 
anymore. And I, I know from experience, I've had to take on a role of someone when they needed a reassuring face and couldn't put a face to an actual person anymore. Just knowing a name, that was a probably one of the hardest losses for me yeah i didn't cry the whole game i'm i'm a terrible person You're a terrible person people, it's just it's very hard for me to cry yeah but that moment and when she was you know finally ready to go especially because she was such a giving character too yeah. you know you you kind of have the way the characters are divided up and even with the way the tasks are assigned you kind of have three different supply gathering mechanisms you know the kitchen and the fermentate the cellar um but you have characters who give food and so alice was always baking and giving buck also does that but it's all fried food buck the character yes (laughs) sorry my husband does cook for me too but (laughs) that's just fried food (laughs) yeah also not really but alice was hard and i can see how having her for several people it's a much more hands-on experience you see the deterioration of her mind and body yeah and And she's she's one of the characters she's a character that's probably with you for the shortest amount of time she's like towards the shorter yeah rapid decline um and she is almost combative too. Yeah. Towards the end, which I know is really hard for a lot of people. Because she does, she does act very specifically differently, right? Like she goes from acting one specific way to you to when the decline happens, it, it's jarring. Yeah. Like I wasn't even sure exactly what was going on at first. Are there any characters you would like to touch on, Buck and or Kristen? Oh, let me look from this list. Uh, so I'll talk about one um, that I don't think is going to be anyone else's favorite, but I really appreciated. And I was trying to figure out why I appreciated it. And that character is Jackie. In the very, very late game, you do a quest for a hospital that seems to be emulating the place that Stella worked at most of her life. And to do this, you have to do a few things for somebody named Jackie, who seems to be, like, not a hard worker, uh, not the best kind of guy. And then, as you're working through these quests at this hospital, he just leaves. Uh, (laughs) And then you end up helping a patient who Jackie was having a hard time with named Daria. And after you finish Daria's things and do some other things to help the hospital out, uh, Jackie just shows up on your boat in Gwen's house. (laughs) Just assumes he can take over. Yeah. And, you know, Jackie's whole thing is you're trying to help him. And Jackie does come to terms with a lot of his own flaws after doing a lot of blaming himself for specific things. It's very interesting how he just kind of gives up. It's... I think it's interesting because I think it reflects a lot of what 
a lot of people experience in school. Mm. I I don't know how often I've talked about this. I was a high school science teacher for six years in high-level sciences. I saw a lot of my average student in Jackie. And I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean like my average student was like a scumbag who tried to take advantage of most of the people in his life and make excuses for how he acted. But just Jackie is an average person who has flaws who he doesn't like to acknowledge. And sometimes trying to work for your own fall own flaws is too hard. Like, sometimes you can't just sit there and face the things that are wrong with you, honestly, with yourself. And I thought that was an incredibly interesting way for his story to end up, as opposed to him just, you know, magically getting better. Especially with, like, the motivational posters and the self-help books. Yeah. Because... I've tried so hard to find any useful self-help anything in a lot of places, and it's all mostly just garbage. Yeah, it really is. Like... <laughs> it's, it's, never, it's never actually very helpful. I liked going on that journey with Jackie, and yet maybe it sucks that he just gives up and moves on and doesn't really want to put the work in to get through it, but that happens to people sometimes. And I don't think you can really blame them, right? Like, it, I don't know. I, I <laughs> no, it's 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 a fair assessment. I think you know it's it's so easy. It's it's one of those things where it's like if you are someone who struggles in general, it's very easy for other people to look at you and say, "Oh, you just need you know you just need to do this, you just need to do that." But in in all reality, it's the resources that people give you a lot of times are not actually what you need. And at, at some point it's just like too difficult to keep trying to like give in to what these people are trying to impress upon you. Mm-hmm. Self-improvement can be a fight and you don't always win fights. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard. You're fighting an uphill battle sometimes depending on the thing. Mm-hmm. With Jackie, all I really wanted yeah, I'm one of the people that was disappointed in his arc because I I love a good hero. I love a good underdog story. Um, and so much of me wants to see the better in people. And so it's really hard for me when I don't get that. But what I appreciate with Jackie's story in the end was just the accountability in the part mm. and his role that he played in his life because... When you first encounter Jackie, it's he casts blame on his employers. He casts blame on the facility. He casts blame on Daria because she's just so annoying and can't can't be controlled. And he's resentful of her. And there's some kind of thing that happens between Daria and Jackie that was not appropriate. And but his conversation with Stella in the end is. I know my, like, he even at one point was like, my parents were bad people. Mm-hmm. And he comes to terms with, you know, they were actually good people. Yeah. I I did not do good with what I was given. And I guess that's really all I wanted was just a little accountability. So yeah. 
I'm glad I got that from him. But I guess to segue into a character, all of the characters we've mentioned so far have really been the ones that really stuck out to me. Um, Elena didn't really do it for me. (laughs) Still didn't really do it for me. Elena's there for the gamers. Yeah. For those who want to finish everything. Yeah. God, she's... Wants to... You want to fight a dragon in under seven minutes? Yeah. uh, I'm terrible at jumping. God. She, um... They... One thing with Elena that made me laugh, they got me pretty good, was when you get the chance to build her house... I went ahead and looked at the improvements and I had stuff for some of it and I just went ahead and I did it. I, yeah, I did it. Yeah. And I go and talk to her and, and she's, she's like, like, all right, don't you dare put a single bell or whistle. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> it was like, son of a gun. They got me. She never <laughs> they got complained. me. <laughs> I, I liked that she was, I liked that her mood dropped because she saw you hugging someone else. <laughs> yes. Oh. She, she saw me hug Buck and then she like, She's like, oh, oh. she like green sad face. Got offended. Oh. <laughs> um, but I was gonna ask if it if I could talk about something that isn't a character based thing, but yeah, totally gameplay. Please do. Um, in the end of the game, where you then are introduced to it's, I guess maybe. I want to talk about the owl, like the ominous owl that is introduced. Oh. Um, because in the beginning, you're like, yeah. is it is this depression that I'm escaping? What yeah. am I? But then going on, you have multiple interactions. And then in the final one, it's like, I've come for you. Yeah. And then you have that conversation with your sister. And then it's it's the end game, right? Yeah. So just to, you know, so the owl you kind of learn is Hades. Yeah. Is your, Stella's personal understanding of death, of like a personification of death. And then when you get back, so the interesting thing about that is those those scenes all happen kind of far apart. So they they happen far enough for you to be able to kind of forget about them. And then they get to you again. And then it's just like, so there's only, because there's only three of them. There's one that happens the first time you go to the Everdoor. There's one that happens like three char- three or four characters in. Yeah. And then the last one happens after number nine, I believe. Um, and then after that, when you get back to your boat, if you haven't been paying attention this whole game, if you haven't been paying attention. The, the plants are the growing. The plants have on been your... growing the whole time mm-hmm. near Stella's cabin. And when you go back, after your third interaction with Hades, there is a flower a spirit, that's blossomed. A flower, yeah. yeah. That is becomes Lily, who is your sister. What I was wanting to, with all that to preface, what I was going to say is, you know, you have your understanding of time. You see how fast you're going. You have your understanding of it's night, it's midday, it's morning. Um, oh, yeah. All of that disappears yeah you don't understand how fast you're going you don't understand what time of day it is except you know the you obviously see the environment yeah but i think that's a cool way to depict stella stella's decline yeah and understanding her reality and 
you know, really the only tangible understanding she has of her environment at that point is really her sister. And I thought that was a very cool design of the game. This is something, this is, this is actually something that we're going to come back to when we do a Mori in the future, (laughs) which was not something I ever thought I would draw between these two games, but the concept of headspace. And when you start this game, you're just like, oh, this is just, you know, this is the video is the video game world. So they've designed it in like this, like really like crazy ways that there's reasons for you to travel places and stuff. And then when you get to the end, you're like, oh, this is Stella's headspace. This is a space that, you know, due to her disease, which is never explicitly said due to her circumstances, she has carved out for herself to be able to come to terms with dying and these are all the important places and people in her life that are going to give her the ability to, to die. Or let go, I think. Yeah, to process. Mm-hmm. And there's something, and we'll revisit this when we talk about Amori sometime in the future, because oh, I think it'll be interesting to talk about the parallels. I just really, just the moment, the realization is just really well done because this is a game about foreshadowing mm-hmm. and on a watch watching someone else play through I was able to pick up on a lot of things that I due to the things I knew were coming knew you know the events I knew were going to happen and I just it gave me a whole new appreciation for how the game ends and how they develop out and how they play out uh portraying your relationship with Lily and those last moments for Stella. So at the end of the game and when we're ready to take Stella, I I have I am of two minds with her leaving because everyone aside from a tool, you've had this one-sided dialogue. You know, I, I mentioned earlier Stella doesn't talk at all. And so, you know, I was like, wow, I'm so ready. I have Daffodil with me. I'm ready to get a little bit more closure, ready to understand her more. And absolutely nothing. Yeah. Just paddling. And I I thought it was a fluke because playing on the Switch, I had several times where my game just crashed. Mm-hmm. I had sheep that were just going Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, That's, doing a wicka wicka what? I think Buck sent us a video of that. It was <laughs> very, very <laughs> funny. It was really funny. It happened so many times. <laughs> but I kept pressing A, thinking something was going to happen, and nothing did. Yeah. Part of me so much wanted an ending where she explained how she felt. Yeah. But at the same time, I understand that her silence might just it it's truly how people leave I they think, don't get a chance for a last word i think you also are getting how stella feels she feels at peace yeah just it's ready just she's you know there's no she paddles herself to the ever door like she paddles literally everyone else she's taken it's it's to me it's like you have to sort of piece together how she feels from the events of the game, once you are able to sort of conceptualize that 
it's all just going on within her head. Mm-hmm. The events of the game become her meditating on and coming to terms with her own death, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's hard at the very end because you don't get that nice little bow on the present. But, you know, she's dying of some kind of like brain disease, right? She's 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 had her whole life kind of in in encapsulated. Yeah, that's it. She's had her whole life encapsulated in the events of the game. You got to see it in brief and that from beginning to end, from literally the first scene to the end is her trip to the Everdoor, right? It's not it's not as clean and you have to you have to fill in a lot of gaps, unfortunately, but it's that's what it is, right? Yeah. I, and there's you I know this is going to be a little hackneyed to say, but like there's even a little bit of like characters embodying like the different stages of grief as if she is grieving herself. Whereas like you have people like Gwen who's very Mm -hmm. denies a lot of things about her life. And then you have people who are more like acceptance, like summer and uh, Gustav. So, but then you also have your anger. Yeah. As well. Um, Mickey, yeah, in Mickey. the beginning was <laughs> angry. Sure, yeah, well, um, he, he even explains just it's not even it's not even that he's angry about his death. He's angry about his brother. Yeah, right. He he express even in his dialogue, he expresses like his moments of rage of just and and in different ways as well. Um, it's really interesting how. I just lo- I just love I love how the whole game gets re- recontextualizes once you learn. Well, and I I don't want to I'm not trying to insult this game by saying what I'm saying. It's fine. No, it's but totally fine. The way it's kind of tofu slash cauliflower. You are the condiment that is marinating the game. Yeah. So your past experiences are filling in the gaps and even how we interpret the dragon and trying to escape the dragon and never being able to, you know, that's the little flavor that our past adds to that. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that it just gives enough space for you to have those intimate moments with the game because it's not just spoon feeding a narrative that you have to accept it's allowing you to apply your own grief your own experience with loss because the true thing is everyone in some form whether it's not been directly a close person but you may know someone so seeing Astrid's character who saw her husband leave and die is something that someone could understand. The The dialogue in this game all comes in very short bursts. There's never more than maybe like 20 to 30 words on the screen at, screen at any given time. So there's a lot of, I th- you know, I think I saw the developer say in an interview that there's like 90,000 words in this game total. Which, when you compare it to something like Disco Elysium, which has a million, doesn't feel like a lot. Mm. It's still a lot of words. It's still a lot. It gives them the ability to flesh out these characters. But I think you, I think you're absolutely right. Where it's like you get to imprint your own experiences on it, and that'll that's what makes it special. 
and I think I think I think the reason probably none of us have talked about Stanley as a character is because it's not, hard, man. It's yeah. hard, Loss but also of a like child it's probably like it's not something any of us have necessarily experienced in our lives. Yeah, it's no. we we understand that Stanley, the concept of Stanley is sad because he is a child who is dying, but it's not personal to us in the same way that like Alice or Summer or whoever is to me that's a positive I think that's a positive where it's like you can understand the sadness and grief and death and even things you don't connect to but it's good that those experiences are given to you that you can draw those connections to yeah there's there's someone in the world that Stanley is like a very healing and very relatable person yeah to have in the game but to me, it was it's just pure pain. Yeah. yeah. From moment one, once you realize it's like a child, it's yeah. just yeah. like, fuck, man, it's this is gonna be well, brutal. And it was, it was brutal. It was brutal from beginning to end. You see, he gets a pet, and he loves his pet, mm-hmm. and he he wants to learn about the world. <laughs> you, have to, you like teach him things about the world. He makes mistakes and learns from them, and he like learns to process his own feelings. And then you have to you have to usher him to death man it's it's (laughs) horrible and he's scared of the shadows you know and you're trying to protect him from the shadows that was really hard and i mean stan the way stanley hugged your character like i was like please don't let go like you were just he's adorable so precious and just honestly so pure and to see a character as innocent and as endearing and as youthful to go. That's a struggle. I hope I never have to actually experience firsthand. Right. You know, the worst part I think about Stanley, what you have to grow him. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, (laughs) yeah, you, you catch Stanley and he's, it's you, you, you go fishing and you catch something called mysterious seed and you plant it. And he just grows out of the ground <sighs> as a m- little mushroom boy. Yeah, which which made me think Stanley was Stella's kid, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think so. I honestly think Stella worked in hospice. The yeah. way the game yeah. played out and the way she had such flushed out experiences with each character, I think she did provide end-of-life care. Um, in some form and I don't know if it was specifically oncology Um, however I do think cancer could be very easily something that ties all of these characters together another character that we're not entirely sure the age of but Buck too had very similar (laughs) characteristics of just whimsy whimsy you know you go on this grand adventure which is something i wish i had the chance with stanley yeah um i but thought buck's not dying i know buck mentioned this earlier that he looked up some lore and you know we just never got rid of buck yeah so the lore i looked up take this with a grain of salt because it's not from an official source well okay when i say not from an official source i saw it on a wiki it had a source cited buck was stella's sister's friend okay who died when he was a kid stella never even really got to know him that well but 
apparently his love of RPGs made Stella love RPGs. So this is and, so the concept of Buck is more just like her perception yes, of her the perception. person that Buck would have been. Yes. But because she wasn't ever close enough to Buck to see him die and like see him live his life, that's okay. Interesting. How she's figmented. Yeah. And I, I just want to say how personally called out I feel about Buck <laughs> because this podcast is not <laughs> the because of the way this podcast is, y'all don't get to see this side of me. I love math and numbers and shit. All I ever want to do is look at spreadsheets while I'm playing a video game. He was and coming for you in. personally. <laughs> yeah. He and was whenever, coming for your ass, all right? Whenever Buck we wrote in, to him four years ago. <laughs> and whenever Buck is in a big mood, a uh, good mood, he also opens his mouth really wide and goes, ah, 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 ah. Yeah, so Buck is interesting. I think it's 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 cool that there's a character that you know, what regardless of what their relationship is or what the intent is, there's a lot of different ways I think you can interpret Buck's character. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of an outlier when it comes to the spirits in the story, which I think works in his favor and works in the favor of like fleshing out the world of quote unquote the world, the headspace of Stella and like all the things that are going on. Yeah. Uh any final thoughts? Any any last things people like to add about anything about the game? Did you lie to Astrid? Nope. No, I told her the truth. She yeah, was she was good truth. to me and I was good to her. Yeah. I and you know, she isn't even really that happy about it, right? When no. you tell her it, it's well, she deflects, she's got a lot of complicated she, yeah. feelings yeah. wrapped up in it, right? And, you know, it's interesting because I wonder what happens if you do, because there's there's trophies for each one. Yeah. So I have to imagine she doesn't believe you. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to replay. She probably finds find that she's out, she probably the, I imagine she finds out and then there's like a, a, yeah. bre- a breach of trust between mm-hmm. you and her. Mm-hmm. And there's like a very powerful moment from that. But, yeah, I wasn't going to lie to her. So. <laughs> Well, I guess my final thought is, as this was my first game that I got to finish from start to end, I think this is a good kind of gateway video game Mm -hmm. for a lot of people who aren't fully ready for a commitment of a much larger gameplay or... Super deep, super, super super deep. deep narrative. Yeah, and all the intricacies, because I think it lends itself to have enough intricacies on its own that you bestow upon it yeah so i would i definitely recommend this game and i assume everyone who's here has list played it but (laughs) if you have someone in your life that needs a little bit of something if you want people to feel things What's the feel? There's something. this really cute game called yeah. Spirit Fair. <laughs> I think you'd really like it. It's like yeah. Animal Crossing. It, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Like, I think this game. The nice thing about this game is that it's, it's super approachable mm-hmm. for larger audiences. If, I also, sorry to interrupt, but I love the way this game looks. Yeah, like it yeah, doesn't suffer great. from like. I don't mean to be mean, but there's a lot of mediocre looking indie games. Yeah. Yeah. Like where you can tell like it's a labor of love, but like they can't put as much labor in. This game is beautiful looking. Yes. And it sounds amazing. Yeah. Like, ah. (laughs) All right. 
Mason, any final thoughts you want to add? Um, huge. This game's like a huge juxtaposition from like the normal kind of thing I like. Uh, and I still loved it. It tells a very human, very touching story without being esoteric or like overly kind of shrouded in. You have to interpret a ton of stuff and fill in the blanks yourself. That kind of thing. It's very approachable. It's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a, not a one answer fits all kind of thing. It's an all fan, all answers fit one. So they do they do a lot with a little. Yeah, mm-hmm. do a great job. All right. Well, with that, we're gonna close out the episode. Thank you all for listening. On our next, uh, if you want to pick up Spirit Fair, it is available on most major gaming platforms, including Steam, the Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation. Next week, for our next two weeks, we will be playing uh, Parasite Eve. The mighty if you are the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah, if you are <laughs> trying to follow along with this, the schedule so this is going to represent a big a big change for big us i'm very shift. i'm excited for this so one. we'll we'll see how it goes it does a lot this next one does a lot like visually it does yeah. a lot like it's a big genre piece it's going to be a huge i'm very excited for the opportunity to explore something very different thank you all for listening and we will catch you next time